Good evening and happy holidays, everybody. This is the good news here on the New Thought Media Network. And I'm Barbara Schreiner Trudell, your host for this evening. And oh, do we have some great stories. So as we're preparing for the holidays and finishing up all the details, well, here's our first story. A Lego loving couple have created a bit of festive cheer by making an entire wall, fireplace and tree, from plastic blocks in their living room. Lego, if you can imagine. For the last 28 years, Mike Addison and his wife, Catherine Waitman, have built amazing Lego sculptures uh, each Christmas. And this has been something that's been going on for a while, and they just love it. So inspired by the uh, extension work being done on their house in Cambridgeshire, they decided to cover a wall in their living room with a Lego replica, complete with Christmas tree, festive decorations, and a fireplace with Santa's feet sticking out. How cool is that? They also can be found Lego mince pies, a Lego matchbox, and Lego candles that light up on the mantelpiece. But apart from the incredibly incredible ingenuity needed to create the piece, it's had the side effect of reducing their heating bills. Who knew that getting up and down, putting pieces together, playing around, would actually warm up the body enough to lower the temperature of the home? Well, that's what it did for them. It's also become quite a social thing for them as well, because one of the things they do is when the season is over, they invite over a bunch of friends for food and drink, and they take it all down. So they figure it took about 400,000 pieces for this structure, and it took them a couple of months to do. So despite uh, what you might be doing for your holiday season, here's something to consider for uh, future years. You know, if you're getting a little bored, you need something to really uh, help you out here, maybe join these seniors and create something spectacular in your home. All right, moving along. Well, we came to see this image 50 years ago when the Apollo crew um, gave us a gift at Christmas time, and it's the blue marble, you know, that iconic picture of Earth from space. Wow. I still remember when I saw it for the first time. So the ast astronauts of Apollo 17 mission left a Christmas gift under the tree for all of humanity as they traveled on their way to the moon. The blue marble is still one of the most inspiring images of Earth ever taken. And it was 50 years ago on Christmas Eve that they did so. Uh, they really got a great image that somehow lasted and provides us with all kinds of interest. Uh, it gives you a much different sense of the world in which we live, that geographical and political boundaries are really meaningless when you get into space. Imagine the implications of that. If we could, for a moment, drop the boundaries, drop the them and us, let go of the you know, the ideas of separation and instead began to embrace our oneness, our unity, the fact that we all live on this one sphere, that somehow we're all connected. I don't know. I kind of like that, that idea. Uh, the blue marble generated the phrase overview effect, which describes how astronauts and more recently space tourists begin to see the fragile nature of the earth set against the backdrop of empty space and the foolishness of fighting over national borders. There's always a comment on borders. So, you know, 
it gives us something to think about as we come into the holiday season and we're thinking about peace and love and, and kindness and supporting one another. Uh, maybe we should drag that out 365 days a year and begin to look at, at Mother Earth as our home and our sanctuary and that all of us who live on it are a family, that together we actually make everything a little bit better. I don't know, food for thought. <laughs> food for thought. All right. So another little uh, space story is a tribute to the Mars Insight Lander who signed off of social media with encouragement for humanity. Twitter was the scene of a fond farewell from NASA's Insight Mars Lander as a recent communication disruption led to an official end to the mission. The dusty robotic fellow had Twitter users tearing up at goodbye with one commentator noting, tears in his eyes, the absurdity of crying over a robot. It's amazing what touches our heart. The robot sent the message, my power's really low, so this may be the last image I can send. Don't worry about me, though. My time here has been both productive and serene. If I can keep talking to my mission team, I will. But I'll be signing off here soon. Thanks for staying with me. NASA Insight, December 19th, 2022. Wow, that little robot, you know, didn't remind you a little bit of Wally. <laughs> Remember Wally? Uh, the um, the information gathered from the robot was really instrumental in helping us to see a whole bunch of things. The fact that they were able to, you know, see that much of Mars is built kind of like well built made up of the same things as Earth, which is kind of interesting. Three papers last year published on the Insight data revealed that scientists have proved, pro produced a sort of mid-resolution image of the core, mantle, and crust of the planet, confirming certain similarities to Earth, including that Mars has a molten core. Another way of saying the planet is still alive in a sense. So even if it's only a robot, it's an honorary member of humanity, tweeted English women's football team head coach Emma Hayes. I would argue that it's symbolic of humanity itself. And maybe that's because it's built by us. And so there's a little bit of us that goes into it and then reflects back. So very interesting story, lots of good news about things that who knew we would ever even come up with stories like this. All right, so this story brought me a few little uh, tears when I was reading it. A neighbor spells out, hi, Kevin, in lights for 20 years to honor his neighbor. So every Christmas, Mike Whitmore gets out his colored lights to weave a very special, special message out into the night. Whitmore says passerbys are sometimes confused by his lights, which read, hi, Kevin, across his roof. But it's to honor the memory of a young boy who passed away from cancer in 2010. For the past two decades, he has featured a reference to Kevin in his light displays. Kevin was diagnosed with cancer in 2002 when he was just 11 years old. That year, Mike had written, Get Well, Kevin, in lights. The pair had lived on neighboring roads, and Kevin had loved seeing Mike's light displays each December. He continued to reference the lad in his lights every year until his tragic death eight years 
uh, on in June 2010. Mike vowed to honor Kevin's life by continuing their much-loved tradition by installing his largest display yet on his roof so that Kevin could see the lights from above. <laughs> there you go. Gets me emotional. So Whitmer continued to do this every year, even after the cancer went into remission and Kevin went off to college. But after he finished his first year of college, that's when the cancer came back. And so this is his tribute to a kid in the neighborhood that he felt deeply connected to. How beautiful is that? Wow. Anyway, excuse my tears. <laughs> All right. One more before we go to a little commercial break. We'll go on a completely different route here so we can uh, dry up the eyes. Car makes record-breaking 621-mile trip on a single charge powered by the sun. Boy, that sounds like a good thing. An electric car has made a record-breaking trip on a single charge powered by the sun. The solar-powered SunSwift 7 averaged nearly 53 miles per hour or 85 kilometers per hour in under 12 hours to set a Guinness world record while completing 240 laps of a track to represent the distance from Sydney to Melbourne. SunSwift 7 is the latest in a long line of successful solar-powered cars from the University of New South Wales, Sydney, since the first vehicle was produced in 1996. It weighs just 1,200 pounds, about one quarter of a Tesla, and boasts impressive efficiencies thanks to its aerodynamic design. The efficiency of the motors and drive change, chain and incredibly low rolling resistance. Car's not road legal as it's missing some essentials like climate control and airbags. But you know what? We're on the way to coming up with something new, something different. And when we watch these remarkable people at work doing this phenomenal work, we got to know that something good is happening on planet Earth and that all of us can be assured that somehow, some way, we are going to make things right. On that note, you're listening to The Good News. I'm Barbara Schreiner-Trudell, and we're going to take a little commercial break, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
And now more good news. All right. So this story is amazing. And we're going to show you a little video clip. This is a heartwarming ex-foster kid asking to be adopted by a family. Let's just take a listen to this little clip. there um but here it goes i just want you all to know that you guys mean the world to me dad mom chandler maddie and sarah growing up in the system was very hard for me not receiving the proper love as a kid honestly when i saw sarah j in the car i was telling you all my story and i didn't think i would actually become a part of the family i never had a mother to hug me love me or show me any affection hold my hand or anything I never had a father to teach me different things or spend quality time with me. You all showed me the definition of family. Family isn't love, family is love. Although I'm 27 now, there's so much I missed out on, but I want to show the world that it's never too late to find your forever family. By the way, mom, I had to dad, if I could change my last name. And he said, yes. Thank you all for allowing me to be a part of this family. I wanted to give up on being a part of a family, but then God allowed you all to come buy a car for me on March 24th, 21. Not asking for a million dollars. I just wanted to ask you all, will you be my friend? Will you be my well, there's no substituting the need for family. And this young man raised in foster care hope to find one in a pair of prospective car buyers. Who knew that you can go out and buy a car and meet somebody who will then become a part of your family. The video shows the Wilkinson's family who walked off the lot with a car and a new friend, reacting tearfully to salesman Davin Woods' recorded message asking them to become his forever family. Man, they are tearjerkers here tonight. <laughs> well, growing up in the foster care system, the 27-year-old Woods said he never had a relationship with a parent. And this was an opportunity that, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and you just connect. And that's obviously what happened here. Devin has sent, since quit his job and has founded an organization called Foster Kids Matter. And this organization is dedicated to serving foster children in Georgia. He says, I was inspired to become a foster kids advocate. If I hadn't had that experience, I never would have done it. When you go without love for a long time and are presented with it, it's weird. It feels like you're starting a new job, starting a new life. So what a heartwarming story at this time of year. And of course, bringing me to a little teariness yet again. <laughs> Must be the season. Well, here is another good news story. Every penny thrown into Rome's Trevi Fountain goes to help the city's poor. And you know what's interesting is that there is a million euro worth of coins thrown into that fountain in Rome every year. And it goes to feed, clothe, and house the poor. The, the uh, pardon me, the marble uh, fountain was created in 1762, commissioned by Nicola Salvi, and it depicts the taming of waters. 
And normally it's a tourist madhouse, you know, taking up a third of the space in an already small Piazza di Trevi. Uh, visitors arrive in throngs and many hope to do more than see the spectacular artwork. And the tradition is you turn your back to it and you throw coins over and uh, supposedly it guarantees that they will return to the eternal city. And that tradition was actually born out of a movie called Three Coins in the Fountain about three American women living in Rome who wished upon the Trevi for love in the city. So all of this money shows up and what they do is they go in and they suction it up. They have a machine to gather it all up and then they give it to the Catholic Church and that massive windfall will fund soup kitchens, homeless shelters, free supermarkets and other projects and it also goes towards the upkeep of a complex on the outskirts of Rome, housing a nursing home, canteen, and dental office for city residents living in poverty. A really charitable story, a really beautiful good news story. And we got it here. All right. So we have got the cutest little puppy ever. Oh my gosh, this little dog, this perfectly spherical dog with 100,000 Instagram followers reminds us that cute comes in all shapes and sizes. Look at this little puppy. The dog is making the internet bounce with joy and vitality, in part because she's extremely cute and in part because she has a peculiar shape. Mohu is a spherical toy poodle and has nearly 100,000 followers on Instagram, all of who are obsessed with her unexplainably round shape. The six-year-old from Osaka, Japan, has become such an internet sensation after her owners started sharing pictures and the enamored following could not get over the roundness of her coat. Her personality is mature and slow-paced, I don't know why she's so popular. She always gets looked at on the street and I get asked all the time what breed she is. Mo's most popular post has almost 40,000 likes and hundreds of comments praising the unique look. Many comments ask about the origin of the strange spherical dog. The owner posted an artificial image of Mohu next to the puppy and it's obvious that, you know, she wasn't born that way. But the posts featuring Mohu cheering on the Japanese soccer team as they made it into the knockout rounds of the World Cup. So way to go. Way to go, Mohu. Cute little puppy. Oh, my gosh. So incredible. All right. So <clears throat> moving on a little bit. Alien minerals never found on Earth before reveal themselves here. So in 2019, prospectors found a meteor, meteorite in Somalia while looking for opal, which has now revealed three never-before-seen minerals that originated off of Earth. Since minerals are a little like recipes, their formation can inform us as to the history of their making, and these are no exception. With scientists um, posting that they came from the surface of a planetary body near to a location that was struck by an ultra-fast impact which turned the rocks and metal nearby into liquid. Um, 
The meteorite is the ninth largest ever found, located near a watering hole in Somalia. Generations of herders have made use of its high metallic content to sharpen their blades. It was then moved to China for a potential sale, but before the samples were uh, sent to Chris Hurd, curator of the meteorite collection at University of Alberta, who found three minerals with formationary patterns unknown from Earth's processes. Scientists have identified 5,800 minerals on our planet and 480 that have come from elsewhere, 30% of which don't form naturally on Earth. Hmm, so where did they come from? So rather than being baked into the rock, the new minerals were formed in microscopic depressions around the surface of highly metallic asteroids called inclusions. Hurd's hypothesis for the formation of the new materials um, after two other scientists from the field is that when molten metal is cooling down, different minerals solidify at different times. So configurations that are easier to make chemically are because the right components are nearby form, nearby first, pushing still liquid leftovers into a dwindling puddle of incompatible components which eventually cool themselves to form the inclusions and stranger mineral configurations. Alien minerals, who knew? Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. All right, so this is a, a really sweet story, I think, because, you know, when we look around our world, we've got all of these amazing structures that were built over time, and as they deteriorate, Sometimes they just get knocked down and forgotten about. But here in East London, they have taken this beautiful historic arch and made it the local pride in East London, and they have restored it. So in a gangland part of London, youth are being recruited into the revitalization of historic stone buildings to keep them from getting into trouble. Great use of time for these young people. Queen Mary's Hospital for the East End was built to serve some of the most deprived London boroughs and saw its fair share of history before being demolished in 1983. What remains is a stately classic modern stone arch, which was completely ne neglected until a Heritage of London Trust program brought 110 kids and adolescents to work alongside stone maces, masons in a complete restoration of the arch. The kids aged nine to 17 gathered together with stonemason trowels and chisels to help recarve the inscription, pave over the cracks and yank out the plants that were growing on the top of this archway. Seeing all the kids loitering together with tools in their hands brought over some police, <laughs> such as the reputation of the neighborhood. But one young man told the guardian, the arch could give his compatriots a sense of pride in their community. It's not the wealthiest of boroughs, so there's a lot of stuff that goes on here, said Ben Owen, but being able to look at a piece, a place and be proud of it brings that sense of community back and makes people free, feel proud to live here. And I think that's a really important thing. It sort of brings back dignity, doesn't it? Uh, Queen Mary's Hospital for the East End was opened in 1861 by a local doctor, William Elliott, to serve West Ham and Stratford. Queen Mary visited the hospital regularly, becoming its patron. Nothing at all survives of the building except the arch, engraved with the lettering, 
Queen Mary's Hospital for the East End. The lettering had been totally eroded and illegible, illegible uh, and plants were growing out of the top. No one knew when it, what it was until we started the restoration. It was in a terrible state. We've recarved the lettering. We've studied all the original archives and old newspapers. It now looks fantastic. It is a spectacular piece. And bravo to these young people who spent their time and energy bringing back this remarkable and beautiful stone archway. All right, surfers. Oh, Queensland surfers will soon be protected from shark attacks with fleets of early warning drones. So in the past, they've had these nets and things that would keep the sharks out. But what it also did was grab other animals, dolphins and such, and so, and turtles. It was causing, you know, a lot of problem that way. And what they did was they started a trial of shark smart drones. And what they found is that they fly over the area and they're able to detect sharks and then they can close down the beaches to make sure that surfers, swimmers uh, are kept safe. So from the detection of 48 big sharks out of the total 172 observed, four beach evacuations were ordered as the truly dangerous shark attacks are almost exclusively with bull sharks, tiger sharks, and white sharks. Most of the sightings didn't require an evacuation. Four times as many large and potentially dangerous sharks seen at Ocean Beach um, were caught in a protective equipment which lined the waters. The smart shark drones fly about 12 miles per hour around 60 yards above the water beyond the surface break. The operators will fly them in 400 meter stretches looking for sharks. If they do see one, they can fly lower to confirm the size and species because not all sharks are going to have you for lunch. So um, there were some problems operating the drones in, in bad weather, but of course, fewer people are on the beach at those times. Uh, a similar project in neighboring New South Wales was implemented in 2017, and conservationists are urging the quick transition away from the nets and baited hook drum lines, which wound 70% of the animals caught in them. So there's advantages to drones, and this could be another way of really looking after our wonderful sea life. And before we close today, wow, here's a woman who hated exercise and starts lifting weights to help combat arthritis and now is a regional gold medalist. Oh my gosh, she inspires me. Um, she took up powerlifting to help combat her arthritis and is now slaying it as a Commonwealth gold medalist in the sport. She says she's now fitter than she was when she was in her 20s. She's won gold, silver, and bronze medals in weightlifting. Arthritis prevented 58-year-old Kelly Clark from doing so much as close the trunk of her car. Her obesity worsened the condition, and facing both severe joint inflammation and a cocktail of drugs prescribed for it, she took up weightlifting instead. Clark first visited doctors when she was 49 for a pain in her side and the inability to complete simple tasks around the house. They diagnosed her with osteoarthritis, an agonizing condition which leaves sufferers with stiff and sore joints. I have a little bit of that. I know all about it. But nine years later, 
Clark lost a third of her body weight. Her bench is at 165 pounds or 75 kilograms, and she was able to get off all her medications. She says, I couldn't close my car boot. I couldn't have a shoulder bag on one shoulder, and I couldn't reach into kitchen cupboards if they were above my head. It's changed my life in so many different ways. I've gone from totally unfit on arthritis medication to come off it and lifting. Wow, isn't that great news? So instead of being sick, instead of being drugged up, let's do a little exercise. Let's move this body, become healthy, and create a really positive life. Well, that's it for the good news for today. I want to thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again in the new year. So have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Know that you are loved and blessed. And hey, be back for the good news next Friday. Bye, everyone.